G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 92 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thanks so much for joining in once again. Got a very popular young man with me this afternoon from uh, the Wimmera Mallee, Western Victoria, Ross Funk. Uh, Funk is a very common sporting name in that particular region. Uh, Ross also was lucky enough to play AFL footy for Richmond uh, and also Melbourne. And uh, he played uh, quite a bit for Port Adelaide Magpies in the SANFL, but uh, also went back to the bush and played for Donald and uh, local clubs uh, within that particular area. And he's got a, a beautiful story, but also, um, you know, just his, his old uh, attitude and uh, and outlook on life is, is so profound. So I'm sure you're going to, you know, really um, engage in, in Ross's uh, enthusiasm and, and uh, love for life and uh, farming and so forth as well today. And we're going to talk about a uh, bit about footy, a bit about farming and just a bit about life in general. And also the moment that uh, I dropped his uh, brother playing um, cricket years ago when he made his first A-grade 100 as a 14-year-old, I think it was. So I'm still uh, paying for that one. So um, yeah, we're going to uh, gonna have an interesting chat and uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, uh, this one. I'd really appreciate your feedback and uh, I'm sure Ross would uh, appreciate you reaching out and say, saying good day as well. So um, hope you uh, hope you enjoy. Just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. So if you're lacking something in your diet, please check out their website. Uh, their products are pretty awesome, uh, all organic and uh, made um, from the highest quality. Uh, so really, uh, when we when we use supplements um, and stuff from the chemists and so forth, it's pretty much synthetic, but theirs is all organic and natural. So it'll mean that our piss isn't yellow uh, primarily. So <laughs> that's one of the benefits. So def- definitely check them out, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, Pure Life Organic Sprouted Bakery who provides organic sprouted bread. So when the grain in bread is sprouted, it digests much better. When our digestion is working well, our mental health works better as well. So definitely encourage you to check them out. Their breads are available all around Australia. Purelifebakery.com.au. Alrighty, listen to Ross and I going at it here. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And um, yeah, please share with uh, within the farming communities or any uh, any sporting uh, teams around uh, regional Australia, really appreciate it. Ross Funk, welcome to the Outback Mine podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a, a privilege to have you along here, mate. I know um, I've followed your journey pretty well um, throughout the, the years, and you're a little bit younger than me, but uh, yeah, sort of um, from the same area, obviously, and uh, it's always good to see young blokes that. Uh, that uh, go uh, outside the area and sort of have a bit of a crack at football and all those sorts of things, mate. So I'm sure we'll, we'll tap into that uh, as we go, mate. So how's things with you at the moment? You're, you're back there on the farm and um, things are uh, going pretty well? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, um, we moved back, um, my wife and I, um, yeah, back in 2006. Uh, we'd sort of, yeah, footy had taken us on a, a bit of a journey around the, around the countryside and, and back and forth to Melbourne a couple of times and... Um, yeah, we came back, yeah, 06, back onto the, the family farm and, um, yeah, sort of been here ever since and, yeah, obviously played a bit of local sport and footy and cricket, yeah, um, in Donald ever since then and, um, yeah, it's sort of a the farm, yeah, been, been pretty good. The last few years we had a pretty rough trot when I first came back at, mm. uh, yeah, the the weather sort of let us down but they're the old uncontrollables but, um, yeah, it's a good, good lifestyle and, yeah, good place to raise the kids. So, mate, you were you were brought up like obviously in the area there, and um, you you sort of had a pretty good upbringing growing up there in uh, in the Minyip Donald area. Um, can you tell us a bit about all that? Like, where did you go to school, and um, um, what what are some of the things that sort of stick out for you now? Sort of, you know, between you know being a young fellow and obviously uh, having a bit of talent with footy and and getting drafted. Um, yeah, I yeah, grew up on a farm um, about halfway between uh, Minyip and Donald. Um, so started yeah, doing, like, went to primary school till grade four in Minyip. Um, but high school was in Donald and my I'm the youngest of four children. 
um, and all the uh, um, two sisters and brother were going to high school by that stage and the bus was going to the other end of the farm. So um, mum pulled me out of the Minute Primary School in end of grade four and I came into Donald um, to do my last two years of primary school in here in Donald and then um, yeah, high school in Donald until uh, yeah, until I left and, and went down to Melbourne. Um, did, I did year 12 actually at Melbourne High School. Yeah. Um, in in Melbourne, while I was uh, yeah, when I got drafted to Richmond, and which was fantastic, that was an unbelievable eye opener for me. I mean, I went from yeah, high school uh, at Donald with a, I think we had a, we might have had a hundred and I'm not too sure what the kids would have might have a hundred and twenty or thirty kids or something like that. Um, so all of a sudden, yeah, we we had three hundred in year twelve <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. at uh, at Melbourne High. So that was uh, yeah, it was a really good experience, but uh, yeah, hell of an eye opener. Yeah, from a young bloke from the from the sticks, but um, yeah, really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, played all my sport though in in Minyip, uh, football and cricket and, and all that, and yeah, but just did did schooling in Donald mostly. Mate, your brother's got to thank me for making his first hundred because I dropped him when he was on a duck, I think, and uh, <laughs> that was in A grade, and and I think he was fourteen, I might have been fifteen or sixteen, but like I I, I don't want to make excuses, and there's a thing called fatigue. Um, but like I, I'd played cricket that morning and I got there and it was 45 degrees in Minyip or 46 from memory. I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating either. And he's, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he skied one, I couldn't see it and dropped it and he just started swinging and smashing, smashing fours and sixes all over the place. So I'll never forget that. But anyway, uh, I, did you ever beat him? Did you ever make a ton by, uh, by the time you were that age? Uh, no, not, certainly not in senior cricket. I think I've only ever made 100. That was in, in junior cricket. But, uh, no, Lee, Lee was a pretty handy bat, mm. um, yeah, back in the day. And, um, yeah, he sort of – oh, he was opening the bat in the senior cricket from, yeah, as you said, from the age of, yeah, 14 or 15. Or, um, yeah, make, making a few hundreds and that. But, um, no, there was some oh, – oh, back in that era, there was just some really – Really good cricketers all through that era. I think, um, yeah, like the the Morgan boys from from Rapanyip and um, yeah, like I said, they're, they're sort of a, a bit of a pleasure to, to play cricket with you. Um, yeah, you don't sort of realise until the, you know, the standard of, of cricket has definitely dropped off in the in the country. There's no doubt about that in the last yeah, twenty or thirty years. And yeah, back in those days, like I said you just had yeah some genuine you know genuinely good bowlers and bats and um yeah and as you said if you you made a mistake generally they uh, they made you pay those boys oh definitely mate i remember getting a lot of shit after dropping that catch and then we went to the minute pub after it and i was 16 as i said underage don't tell anyone and yeah <laughs> no, we'll keep it to ourselves and uh yeah like it still sticks out there mate but they, they were awesome days back then you know like Playing, playing uh, on a full oval, like a big oval, and, and with some of those those fellas that were, you know, really, really, um, you know, talented, like just really passionate cricketers, and how good it actually was, and you know, mate, that that was um, probably a pretty good grounding for you to be able to be around those sorts of characters, and obviously playing football. I think you probably had Ronnie Weirmouth there as a coach, uh, as a young fellow, did you when you were coming through in Minyip? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we uh, he coached Minyip to the 91-92 uh, premierships. Um, we'd, uh, I think the senior side had won the, the wooden spoon in 1990. And then, um, yeah, Ronnie came to, uh, to Minyip and, yeah, took them to back-to-back flags in 91-92. I, I only played a couple of reserves games in 92, um, so I didn't get to play, um, yeah, actually under Ron. Um, and then in 93, I had played some senior footy that year and yeah, Bruce Petering actually uh, coached that year and yeah we actually we won th- that, that was the third in a row um, for Minyip so we'd sort of gone from wooden spooners to, to triple triple premiers and um, yeah it was a it was a hell of an era um, yeah as I said for a, for a young kid I mean when they you know at the start of it um, as a young guy you're looking up to to uh, yeah the likes of yeah like I said you know Johnny Hotker and um, yeah Bruce Petering uh, these sort of guys, um, but you know, we're struggling as a team, and then all of a sudden, by the time I got myself to be able to play senior footy, you're you're rolling into you know a team that had established themselves in you know as as genuine you know premiers and um, and kept backing it up. Uh, it was just yeah, it was a really good, amazing yeah, amazing feeling and amazing club to be a part of as a as a young as a young bloke coming through and, and learning from those guys as well, and you know that those. You know, a few of those blokes had had been down and had a taste of, um, or, yeah, VFL, AFL footy at that stage, and um, yeah, so to come back to um, to Minyip and and get to play under those sort of blokes, and it's uh, 
yeah, it certainly certainly gave you a fair bit of drive and a, you know a bit of an indication of what was requ- required, I suppose. Mm, yeah, you had Shane Brewer there from memory as well before he sort of went uh, and got drafted and, and sort of into the AFL system, and he was playing for Calgary and he was really talented. Uh, you know, I, I well, he's another he's another story. I played on him uh, when I was playing for a club in Horsham Juniors, and and they said, oh, you're at, uh, you're on the halfback flank, you're on Shane Brewer. And, mate, I didn't even have a clue who Shane Brewer was, but I couldn't catch him. And um, I think he played, started playing Calcae Seniors not long after that, and then he went to Minyip pretty soon. He was playing, like, senior footy as a, maybe a 16-year-old, which was pretty rare back then. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And he, um, yeah, because I think, yeah, well, Lee actually played, yeah, back all was called Teal Cup back then. He played with, with Shane in that, in the under-17s. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I think Lee went down to he got drafted to Fitzroy, and then I think yeah Shane, I reckon he had one more year. That was when he came and played at Minyip, and it was so sort of, yeah again Ronnie, Ronnie Weirmouth was a bit of a draw card, I think. Um, mm, yeah, that sort of got it got him across the line to to come and play under him at Minyip, and um, yeah he, he had a fantastic year that year, and um, then yeah ended up getting drafted, and um, yeah I said well he was he was just a you know he was a superstar when he was he was just a gun player and. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah, came back years later, and he, he's you know found himself. He turned himself into a pretty pretty decent coach too, where he was um, yeah pretty highly regarded in the in the Wilpenra League and, and surrounds as well. So yeah, why do you think? Like I remember your brother got drafted. He didn't last too long down there. What was what what was behind that? Was he sort of missing home, or was it uh, something else? Because Fitzroy wasn't like a great side back then. But I remember seeing him as a young fellow, and he was really talented. You know. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. He was, yeah, he was a very, very good player. He probably, um, I suppose, yeah, lacked a bit of pace, um, but, you know, had a ripping set of hands. He was a really good marker. The football could read the play really well. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just one of those things. Sometimes things don't work out. Fitzroy, you know, they were going through a reasonable amount of turmoil in terms of they went real settled. I think they went through, a, I think Lee was there for two years, and, yeah, I think when he first got there, they'd just changed coach, I think, and then... Um, changed coach the two years that he was there. Mm. Um, yeah, so just that bit of, I think, yeah, bit of uh, un- unsettled and, um, as I said, just didn't didn't quite work out. Like he, um, yeah, I said he, he played played some really good footy there, and he was on the on the brink of getting a senior game. I reckon in his end of his, I don't know, if it was the first, it was more of the second year, mm. and um, end up yeah, hurt his knee playing basketball. I reckon during the week and. Um, yeah, probably uh, cost him a, uh, yeah, a bit of bit of game time, and yeah, as yeah. I said, just uh, unfortunately the the system spat him out. Yeah, it's the way it goes. It was pretty pretty interesting, obviously back then. Totally different system now, and you know they didn't have the support or the the mental health support or the education uh, or the the I suppose being a probably a reasonably poor club. Fitzroy wouldn't have had the uh, the medical staff to be able to, you know, maybe maybe fix him up, I suppose. And, um, you know, there's uh, lots of guys like Lee that have had a lot, of, a lot of talent that haven't sort of, you know, uh, quite made it, unfortunately, but, um, you know, contributed back to um, to sport in other ways, mate. So, so it's really interesting, like, you you were playing country footy, then you um, got picked up by North Ballarat. Did you move down there or did you did you sort of commute from, from Minyam? Uh, no, I was, I was lucky enough, though, they were happy with me uh, because it was, uh, at that stage, we didn't really have training base um, outside of Ballarat. They did during, like, school holidays. You'd go and train at, say, Ararat or I think they might have even had another one down at Hamilton or something like that. But, um, of course, it was just too far to travel for me to try and get there after being, yeah, being on a school bus for sort of 40 or 50 minutes to get home for a start and then have to jump in a car and... And drive again to try and get to, to football training. They yeah, they were pretty happy for me to um, train and, and that at Minyip. And then I was just going down on the weekend to play. And we we had actually that was in nineteen ninety four, um, and we had actually spoken about at the end of ninety four about perhaps um, yeah t- taking on like the going to boarding school at like St Pat's um, yeah for the for the ninety five season. Um, but yeah, I actually got drafted at the end of '94, so obviously that that plan all sort of changed. Mm, unreal, mate. So you were 17 then? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, played that '94 season as a 16 year old in the in the under 18s competition, and yeah, got drafted yeah at the end of that October or early November, and turned turned 17 in that November. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. So you're pretty young going into it. Um, Mate, you must have had a good year at, at North Ballarat. Who was coaching then? 
Uh, yeah, that was um, Ian Baker. Um, was uh, was the coach? Um, yeah, he's re- really hard, really hard. But I, I don't know I always seem to enjoy the the coaches that were pretty hard on you. Um, mm. And um, and Bakes was really hard, but he was really honest with you. You always knew where you stood with him. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I, I didn't think you know. I, I suppose at the time when you're playing, you're not really thinking too much about how you're going or, or yeah, like where where you're at. I suppose you just you're just trying to put your best foot forward. And yeah, that's all I was doing. I you know I I sort of um, I didn't really have any thoughts that I'd be getting drafted that year. Um, it was a you know it was a bit of a surprise to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I sort of, as I said, I, we were already looking at plans of going down to Ballarat for the, doing the boarding school thing and, and going to St Pat's and um, yeah, and I, I think yeah, a couple of clubs sort of had a bit of a chat to me at the end of that year, and all of a sudden you sort of start thinking, oh well, you know, you get a bit excited, I suppose, and think, mm, what if? And yeah, um, yeah, I was luck, lucky enough that um, yeah, that Richmond Richmond picked me up. Um, yeah, so I think I, I went late, like I think I was that number. I think I was pick 63 or something in that uh, 94 draft. Mm, unreal. So we'll talk about that in a tick, but who were some of the guys that you were playing with uh, at North Ballarat that, that like sort of, you know, went went pretty well in their AFL career? Yeah, um, oh, Mark Orchard. Um, he went went up to Sydney, mm-hmm. um, played a few years up there. Um, trying to think. Tony Burke went to Carlton. I don't know that he played... Any senior footy that got drafted, uh, Brad Cassidy. Oh yeah, um, yep. Yeah, he, he went. Uh, look, he had a, he had an unbelievable year that year. He was just, yeah, he was unstoppable that year in the under 18s competition. He was, you know, there was nothing for him to take, you know, 16, 18 marks a game, and he was, mm. you know, kicking goals from everywhere. He was just just had that really good build where he could move and they say he could play on a wing, or he could play at centre half forward. He was, yeah. Um, so yeah, he got drafted, and yeah, I think, and again, he was one that I think. Could have had a much better career, but his, his mm. body unfortunately just just let him down um, in the end. I think from Edenhope, um, I think from memory was, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and then he, he went to Collingwood for a while. I think he might have had another club possibly in there, but just you know, never never really quite uh, quite made it. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, he's um, yeah, he certainly uh, yeah, he's certainly a good enough player, but uh, as I said, he just. As much as his body, you know, he was a great. He, he moved really well, and that. But he was just that fraction light, or I'm not too sure. But yeah, like his body, he, he just, uh, yeah, his body just kept letting him down. I think at that at that higher level, where the you know the intensity obviously goes up and um, doesn't take much for to uh, yeah to your body to pack it in. Yeah, that's true. Different different ball game back then, mate. You know, like geez, uh, yeah, you know, guys guys getting hurt, uh, obviously. Um, you know, and there wasn't the, the, you know, the, I suppose, structures in place like there is now. And we'll talk a bit about mental health in footy as we go along too, mate. But um, so what was it like when you rocked up at Richmond? Who were some of the guys that took you under their wing there? Um, yeah, when I, oh, I, I suppose I sort of had just a couple of um, well, just brief, um, you know, already introductions to a few of them because, yeah, with Lee being at Fitzroy, he, um, he'd actually, uh, he lived with Paul Broderick. Yeah, right. um, yeah, for about six months, one year when he yeah, um, moved out of his own house or the, the guys that he was living with at the time, they all sort of disbanded and I think he ended up living with Brodders for a while and so I sort of knew Brodders a, a little bit, um, you know, and then Matty Dundas and Jamie Elliott, um, yeah, that, that all come across from Fitzroy so I, I sort of, they, they sort of recognised the name so straight away you sort of had a little bit of a connection there. Um, and, and Lee had played um, Teal Cup with Wayne Campbell and Nathan Bauer. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, they were always really good. And, yeah, and then, yeah in the end, I said, like, yeah, Wayne Campbell was probably a, a real sort of, you know, big brother to me and a uh, real influence on how, you know, it was someone that I really looked up to and, you know, tried to emulate in terms of the, the way he went about it and how hard he worked on the track and, mm. um, yeah, and just what he, you know, how he went about getting himself right to, to play football and um, yeah so he, he was really good for me as a as a footballer and you know, as much as you know as a person as much as anything just up the um, road from Oyen I think wasn't he so wasn't that uh, that far out of the road from you yeah I think originally yeah yeah, yeah and then ended up in Bendigo um, yeah, I think where he got drafted out of Bendigo I think um, when he went down to Richmond but um, yeah so he, you know really good fella and um, and there, there was, you know, there was a really good group of guys. Actually, we were pretty young, um, sort of. I know I was, I was extremely young compared to all those guys. But 
um, yeah, it was just a really good young group of guys that all got along, you know, really well. Um, yeah, Matty Knights, you know, even well, Tony Free was, was captain that year in 95, but he got injured um, with his knee and, and Knight sort of took over as stand-in skipper. And, you know, he'd, he'd been around for a lot of years, but he was still only pretty, I reckon he would have only been 24 maybe even at that stage, mm. um, you know, and, and captain of the club. And I said they'd come off a, a couple of reasonable years of building, um, from 93 and 94, and then, yeah, 94, uh, 95, sorry, my first year, they had a really good year and made a prelim final, and, um, yeah, it was just a really good vibe around the place, and, um, yeah, everyone just really did get along, you know, yeah, quite well. It was um, just, it was a good environment to be around. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously, the uh, the club, that, you know, facility-wise, you look at it now and, and what it's like, and, um, yeah, it was fairly different back then, but, oh, no I don't know, you sort of... You never, you never felt like you were missing out on anything. You, it was just, it was still a pleasure to, to go in and train and, and be around the group and yeah, just, just really enjoy it. So, mate, um, what was it like when you transitioned? You know, who were you living with? How were you taking care of yourself? Um, you know, how long was it until you actually got your first senior game? Yeah, I, um, when I first went down, I, I boarded with a family. Um, that was organised through the through the football club out at uh, Glen Waverley. Uh, mm. Kevin and Maureen Duggan, who were yeah, they and again they they became like you know second parents to me. Um, so, yeah, just said young young kid out of the off the farm and um, yeah down into Melbourne, so a bit of an eye opener. And but they were fantastic for me. And I yeah I was doing year twelve at Melbourne High School, so I had a bit of a commute um, yeah, into the into the high school every morning mm. on the train, and then yeah I'd obviously go to school, and then I could. I'd, yeah, Melbourne Highs are that far. I'd usually just walk up or jump on a tram up a bit closer to the um, Punt Road and, yeah, go into Punt Road and train. And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, yeah, really, really good experience. Um, and then I, I spent, that was 12 months uh, there. And then I ended up moving into a house with, uh, yeah, with a few other players in um, Jamie Tate, um, Justin Platt and Sean Gordon. Oh, and, Plappy, um, yeah, Plappy was in Tasmania yeah, when I was down there, and yeah. we spoke about Sean Gordon uh, from Shep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was Tapey and um, and um, Sean Gordon. Sorry, the first year, and then Gordo moved out the, the end of that first year, and then um, yeah, Plappy moved in, and yeah, we sort of lived out there. It was one of Matthew Knight's. He'd bought a house out in Canterbury, and he yeah, put us up in that. And um, yeah, it was yeah, it was great. It, our, our place became sort of a bit of a halfway house for the um, for the guys and you know they'd just come round we had a massive backyard we were playing yeah cricket games and um, yeah all sorts of stuff during the during the week and yeah guys would just yeah come round our place a fair bit and we had some really good um, battles between uh, yeah like neighbouring suburbs that some of the other boys were living in where we'd have basketball games and you know during the week it's a bit of a um, bit of a cross training type thing and yeah it was just uh, as I said before it's just a really good place to to be around and good, good young group. So I reckon you probably wouldn't have minded a beer, and uh, that would have went on a fair bit back then in the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's something you probably probably look back at, and yeah, perhaps uh, perhaps enjoyed a beer maybe a fraction too much. Mm. Um, but as you said, it was probably the culture too um, of it. Not not in a bad. It was just um, you know you, you you worked hard and you played hard. Um, mm. It was sort of that crossover period of. Um, going from you know a lot of a lot of guys when I first got down there you know um, had jobs um, or going to uni or, or, or whatever it might be um, and then by the time I finished um, I, I left Richmond in in '99 um, and then had a couple of years at Melbourne and sort of by the time by the end of that period it was yeah you you know you were training at all, all, all hours of the day depending on when when your game was coming up if it was a Friday or a Sunday and you know you'd be training at midday or two o'clock or you know, you might have had a yeah six thirty weight session and a ten o'clock meeting, and you know, it was sort of yeah, it, it really did transition into that uh, much more professional sort of you know, stance of footy. But um, but they were, I think they were they were still working out exactly what was required of an AFL footballer. I reckon through mm, that period, definitely. Yeah, did you have to work part time uh, through through your Richmond days in Melbourne? Yeah, I, I did do a bit of work. I, yeah, again, a lot of it was just attached to the football club. Whether it was, I, I did. Uh, I used to um, sit at the desk at uh, doing some security work at Foxtel in Mooney Ponds um, through one of the sponsors that yeah, had a security um, uh, business um, running. And then, um, yeah, uh, in the end, Wayne Campbell and um, his brothers bought a pub at uh, 
on Swan Street there, and um, I ended up yeah, working in there for a while, just uh, yeah, pouring a few beers and making a few coffees during lunches, and um, yeah, so I, I was always doing a little bit of part-time work, but, um, but yeah, you sort of, um, again, it was, yeah, it was pretty hard to hold a job or the uni because I was, yeah, as I said, they were still working out how it all fit in, I reckon, with, yeah, going sort of full-time professional with, you know, paying you well enough that it was like they deserved all your time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I still think there's a much better balance there when, uh, when you've got something else to, to go and take your mind off things rather than just the full-time footy. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's, that's true. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's been challenging for a lot of young guys coming through now that, have basically sort of walked away from the game as well, you know, like, um, yeah, and that that was also another trap. Like, a lot of them had spare time on their hands, so they'd, they'd hit the punt or they'd get into the, you know, the drugs or whatever sort of thing, you know, and uh, and basically didn't have uh, a lot to focus on. But, mate, um, what was it like when you went to Melbourne? Like, what was, what was it, um, you know, like compared to Richmond? Who was coaching then? And did you find it easy to sort of fit into that system? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're two fairly similar clubs in in terms of um, you know where they come from. Um, you know, two sort of establishment clubs from years and years ago. Obviously, um, you know, facilities at both clubs weren't weren't the greatest. Um, so there's a bit of that um, underdog mentality of, of you know um, the, the haves and the have-nots, I suppose. Um, but again, it was just it was another great club. You know, it was a, a good, really good list of blokes. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Neil Danaher um, was the coach uh, the two years that I was there from yeah I was oh one oh two, and again yeah Danis was great. Um, again another fairly hard hard nosed sort of coach, but um, you appreciated it in the sense that you you always knew where you stood with him. Um, you know he'd, he'd be the first one to you know tell you what you'd done wrong, but he'd be the first one to really you know get behind you and, and you know. Uh, give you a pat on the back when you'd done a job that he'd asked and you'd done it well. So, um, again, he was a coach that you just you you went out there and you wanted to play for him. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, you see a few of the you know, obviously the struggle that he's going through now. But it's just the kind of bloke that he is. He's just he's up for the fight, mm. and um, you know, he's a pretty inspirational bloke. So you would have had Gary Lyon and Jim Steins and a few of them floating around, then, wouldn't you? Um, they didn't come in much. No, I don't remember. I. Probably yeah, Gary Lyon ran into him a few times. He was still pretty good mates with obviously uh, a few guys around the club. Um, Jimmy had really, you know, um, yeah, stepped into his role with the um, uh, what was the? Oh, I would have been the Reach Foundation. Yeah, Reach Foundation. He'd really got involved with and that. Like he, he still came about. You'd, you'd see him occasionally, but um, yeah, not not so much. Um, yeah, as again, sort of Gary a little bit, but yeah, he was mainly just with you know the guys I suppose that he played with. Um, but yeah, and then and then in terms of the the guys I hung out with, um, it was just yeah that that, that younger sort of playing group. Um, so I'd, I'd played. Uh, again, a uh, bit of rep footy with Adam Uze, so I knew Uze pretty well. And yeah, um, yeah and then uh, Nathan Brown probably became a best mate. Um, yeah, that I made at at Melbourne um, when I was there. I still keep in touch with Brownie quite a bit. Um, yeah, just I see he's pretty pretty laid back sort of fella, and probably pretty similar in uh, in an attitude and and what he went about with as I was. So we, we hit it off pretty pretty well, and yeah, I've kept in touch a fair bit and. Yeah, I've, I've still run into a few of the guys from time to time, and um, yeah, they're, they're, like I said, just another. So it's, it's like any footy club. I think uh, you probably, um, when you're playing against them, you hate them, but when you go and find out what they're like, they're all pretty good fellas. Uh, you know, you very, very rarely do you meet a bad bloke through football. Mm. Um, and I think that you know, the older and older you get through the system, the more and more you realise that that everybody's there just to uh, you know trying to trying to nut out their own situation. How did you find Matthew Richardson when you were at Richmond? Yeah, I, I loved Richard. He was he was a great fella. Um, it's uh, I always look now and just go. It's it's the, the thing I find the strangest is that he's in the media because he was he was such a quiet sort of bloke, or you know, just hated the media. You know, or you know, not not hated them, but as in just didn't like being around them. You know, if he could avoid an interview, he'd avoid it. You know, if he uh, he was um, yeah, but as as a bloke. Um, in terms of making you feel welcome, I know that that was what used to be pretty frustrating when um, you know people would always question you on what he's like because they'd show on the TV that he'd be going off or throwing his arms up. But 
Yeah. I don't know. To me, that just meant, you know, he was just, he was a star of a player and he just wanted the ball in his hands. That was all it was. Mm. Um, you know, he'd be the first one to come up after you after a game if you, you know, if he'd said something or done something. He goes, oh, geez, I, I, was, a, I was a bit over the top there, wasn't I? And you'd have a bit of a laugh about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with Richo, nothing was ever personal or, or you know, he, he never really was trying to put you down or, or anything like that. He, was, he just wanted he wanted to be the best. Mm. Um, and he just, you know, and the, and the good players want the ball in the hands. And um, if you knew that about him and you understood it, you were, you were always okay with, what, you know, every now and again he might, you know, um, overstep the mark with a bit of, uh, bit of you know, theatrics, I suppose. But, um, mm. but no, ripping, ripping man, really good fella. Um, and again, I'd, I'd be pretty confident if you ran into him, you know, today, I'd, you know, you'd go and have a coffee or a beer and you'd have a bit of a chat. Like, he was a no, really, really good fella. Good, yeah. just... So, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, just, just a good good man to be around. Um, yeah, just yeah. made you feel welcome. Um, but as I said, the, the whole group was really good at Richmond. There weren't too many that, uh, yeah, that you that you didn't like spending time with or um, you know, a lot of the groups that you... Even if, you you know, you always had your, your three or four that you might knock around with a lot, but you, you tended to sort of you know, chop and change a bit depending on, yeah, what you were doing. And, mm. um, yeah, it was all, all pretty pretty good. Interesting, mate, because he, he matured a lot when he uh, when he went onto the wing. It was really interesting to watch his journey as a player and as a person and, you know, how he had that sort of freedom when he was uh, able to, you know, run more. And, you know, he was obviously very athletic. I I, I reckon he probably didn't reach the, the, the best of his potential, his ability, his ability because he was probably – stuck in a, in a role which you know maybe yeah he was suited to but I think he was probably better better served in, a, in another position but also uh, he if he went to another club he would have been you know a superstar in say a Carlton or you know one of those uh, clubs that were really good throughout the 90s and beyond I suppose yeah oh absolutely it's yeah it's another one of those what ifs I suppose that um, I think you know, well, Richo just—he he loved being in the in the action and, and kicking the goals, and you know, um, if the game was on the line, he, as I said, he, he wanted the ball in his hands. Um, you know, it was, and that's what you want out of your stars. And but yeah, you, you look at it certainly in today's footy, and you know, and you see the way that he—he you know, he, he was a phenomenal athlete, the way that he could run and and jump. And as I said, he you know, he'd, he'd be in the top half a dozen running around the tan on the you know the. Um, mm. nearly a 4k time trial around the 10 or what it is 3.8k time trial he, you know he'd be in the top half a dozen there and then he'd, he'd get into the sprints where he'd be doing 50 50s and 60 60s and he'd be you know and he'd be blowing everybody out of the water in them mm. um yeah. he was yeah he really was a yeah, phenomenal athlete and yeah as you said it would have been interesting to see him play a bit more of his career um moving around and which yeah as I said in today's footy probably would have you know um he would have been forced to do a bit more of that, um, playing up the ground and, and running. But, um, but as I said, I think you just appreciate him for what he was, and yeah. um, he was just just good to watch and, and good to play with. Yeah, mate. So it's interesting. Like you know, you spent a, a few years in Melbourne, and you, you got you got delisted, obviously. And I don't reckon that may have knocked around your mental health too much. But so after after that, did you you went to Port Adelaide uh, Magpies in the SANFL? Is that right? Yeah, yep, that's correct. Yeah, so um, yeah, left left Richmond at the end of '99, and then went and played at North Ballarat um, in the VFL for a year um, in 2000, mm. and then yeah, went to Melbourne for the two years, and then um, yeah, went over to we um, excuse me, we uh, packed up and uh, yeah, moved across to to Adelaide um, yeah, to, to and played at Port. Uh, Matthew Knights took on uh, like a footy manager's role. Um, over there, and I'd been talking to Nida. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd ran into him at, I think it was at Wayne Campbell's 30th birthday, actually. And <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah and just yeah, said, Oh, look, I'd, fair chance I'm going to get delisted, I think. I could see the writing on the wall from Melbourne. Um, and um, yeah, he said, Oh, look, I was a fair chance I'll keep in touch. I might be taking on a job over um, in Adelaide. And yeah, I just, it, there was a real transition bit going on with the VFL and the AFL teams where there was, some teams aligned and some not, and um, yeah, I just wasn't sure about the instability of that. And I just thought, you know, SANFL footy was really, really good footy, um, and so I thought, yeah, I might go across there and and try something different. Enjoyed Adelaide. Um, I loved it. Yeah, great, great place. Um, again, just a really good group of guys. Um, ended up 
yeah, again, I'd sort of played with and against a fair few guys that were already at Port Adelaide Magpies. Um, and, yeah, we just hit it off really quickly. Had a, had a really good group um, of, of blokes. Um, yeah, and I, I said, Adelaide as a whole, I, I really, um, my wife and I really enjoyed our time there. It was, um, yeah, a great, great place to be. Mm. It's uh, nice and, you know, pretty quiet compared to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but, again, I didn't mind that. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a really, really enjoyable part of our life. Mate, um, let's talk about it, uh, you know, now we'll talk about it when you sort of got back to the bush a bit, but the mental health stuff wasn't really, uh, you know, common back then. You would have seen a few blokes coming in and out that were like a bit uh, either depressed or anxious or, or stressed or, you know, had something going on in, in their lives. Without naming yep. names, do you do you remember like much of that in your time sort of playing in the AFL and also the SANFL? Yeah, there was definitely a few that you look back now at, and and probably yeah, there was there was things going on that you you know nowadays you'd probably pick up on and, and ask a few more questions perhaps, but um, it was still probably in that stage where it was still a little bit of a stigma of you know it was like a weakness I think. Um, if you if you showed you know that you were struggling or if you if you wanted help or um, and and quite often you know I know myself like you you look back now and you could probably yeah recognise that there probably were some guys struggling and um, you know you you sort of had that almost feel of you didn't want to impose yourself on them or you know ask and have them feel embarrassed. Um, yeah, so it was a really yeah, it was a different time, I suppose, of you know when that was all going on. And as I said, I um, consider myself extremely fortunate where I've I've never I've never had to go through that. You know, I, I totally understand that it's you know a really really bad place to be in. Um, but I, you know, I can honestly say I've you know, and don't get me wrong, I've I've had ups and downs, and you know, and felt good and bad, but I've never. I've never had that feeling when you talk to a few people where they say they feel, you know, like it's hopeless and there's no, there's no out to it, and it's, you know, everything they see is sort of clouded and and dark. And I've never, I've, I can say I've never experienced that, you know, and I feel extremely lucky that I haven't. Mm. Um, but you know, I've always been around some really good people. Um, never really been too fussed about talking about what's going on um, with with mates, I suppose, um, and 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 more so family. Um, I probably do play a lot of stuff pretty close to my chest while I do talk, but mm. um, but I don't mind talking to people that I trust and you know and can confide in. I suppose. Yeah, that's good, mate. It's um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like how it's evolved over the last five years, you know, ten years maybe, and it's continuing to evolve. And you think how life was so simple back when we were kids, you know, uh, in the eighties and and so forth, and. Um, you know how much more stimulation domination there is now you and I wouldn't have been able to do this back then this is a gift to be able to do what we're doing here but when we're uh, when we're so distracted by all uh, all the challenges and so forth that life throws up um, it can get away on you really quickly and then you find yourself you know angry anxious um, you know sad depressed all those sorts of things and um we just gotta we gotta learn how to manage our mental health better in modern society. I I believe um, you know the physical body will show you when there's disease, but the 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 the, the mind won't really show um, you know when there's disease as well, and uh, that can be picked up um, you know by by the way people are, are behaving and so forth. But um, yeah, you know obviously that was that was prevalent back when you were you know playing footy back then, and it's been prevalent for you know for. A long time but it's just more recognized now i suppose and and what was it like you know you went back to the bush and started um, you know coaching and that's probably the first time you really managed men i suppose like after all the football you, you played like that was probably the only time you'd actually been in charge of a, of a group how did you transition into that um yeah it was um yeah, it was diff- certainly different for me and i guess um yeah, it was, it was a strange one in the sense that I, I knew I was coming back, obviously, to um, to play or to back onto the farm more than anything. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, I was going to play football somewhere and I really only yeah, narrowed it down to three clubs where it would be, you know, excuse me, back to uh, back to Minyip, uh, where I'd played all my, all my sport and with football, um, or yeah, into Donald here 
uh, where my wife was from and I'd been to school and I also sort of um, yeah, contemplated Beulah, uh, which was just up north of, of us and that's where all my mother's um, side of the family were from. And, um, yeah, so that, that was sort of really the only three options I considered. Um, and then it, I just thought it would be a bit too hard with Beulah, uh, with the travel and, and the farm and, and all that. And it was something that if I was going to do it, I wanted to be able to put as much time as I possibly could into it to, to do it properly or as, as best as I could. Um, and then, yeah, eventually it came down to, um, yeah, my, my wife was obviously from Donald and, um, yeah, she, she, uh, Kelly had really followed me around pretty much wherever I'd wanted to go and I'd been pretty selfish in that regard with, mm. with footy and, um, yeah, what, what I sort of wanted to achieve, um, on that front and, and Kelly pretty much always, yeah, no worries and backed me and we'd, we'd pack up and off we'd go again. And um, so I sort of left the decision up to her and she really wanted to, to come to Donald and her, her folks were still in town. And, um, yeah, so we, we came into Donald here and, yeah, never, never left. So, um, and then, the, yeah, the coaching side of it, um, yeah, took that on and, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Had, had a really good um, yeah, guy in, in Mark Adams, a local fellow that uh, gave me a, a really... Uh, a great helping hand with um with the pretty much the assistant coach i suppose but he knew a lot of the locals and um a lot of the opposition teams and made it a, you know a hell of a lot easier for me where i i sort of felt like i could just go out and and play on a sad day and and he did a lot of the coaching stuff and and i sort of did a lot of the more of the coaching um, training during the week and yeah that definitely made things a, a lot easier for me um and yeah it was it was sort of just a bit of a slow transition i suppose from just playing and but taking a bit of a backward step of just worrying about yourself as a player to as you said you're sort of trying to manage people and you take bits and pieces away from the good and bad coaches you've had over the course of your life and and try and implement the good and um try and weed out the bad and um yeah we we, we had a bit of success we my first year back in 06 we were lucky enough to win the premiership at, at donald um and again, with a you know really good group of guys, and yeah, we were um, yeah as I said, experienced a bit of success, which made it a, a lot easier as well, I guess, when when things are are going well, or you um, yeah, it, it certainly makes the job job easier. So, but um, my two probably yeah my, my two probably most enjoyable years were the next two where we I think we only won a total of about five or six games you know each year. Um, but it was just great. We had a really, really young group of kids coming through and, and got to spend a lot of time with them and, and see them develop. And you, know, you look now and see where they've gone on with their footy. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty yeah, pretty good to watch that as well. Mm, amazing, mate. Um, yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, country towns like that, you can be so successful, but then it can drop off really quickly. And, and that can really affect the momentum of the town too, you know. Like, when things are great, they're great. When they're not so great, the footy team's losing, then everyone's sort of in a bit of a low. And it's being able to recognise that too, I think that's that's so important. Um, uh, you know, to be able to understand that the mental health that you have is um, is yours to keep, rather than just having uh, too much attachment and focus on one particular thing. And and that can really um, you know take us uh, out of rhythm. And um, it's something that you know probably needs to be identified with more people when they're. When they're too attached to, to a, a sport or a club or a certain thing or a job or whatever it may be, you know, when that doesn't uh, always run well, to be able to sort of, you know, uh, find other things in your life that you can be um, able to, 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 to find balance with, I think that's really important. Did you have any um, experience with uh, with male suicide while you were involved with sport at all? Uh, yeah, I, I unfortunately did. And, yeah, as I said, that, that 2000 and six year we um yeah obviously we had a, had a great year and, and won a flag and um yeah one of the young one of the young boys that i, I coached he um I, i'd sort of he was only a really young kid when i left um donald but i remember him yeah as a uh, as just a yeah, little little young um young fellow with a lot of spark about him as a young bloke and then to come back and and see what he'd grown into and he was a ripping footballer and um yeah just a just a great young bloke and i, I didn't it's one of those things you, you look back and go, I, I didn't see the signs of it and, and what he was going through. Um, and, yeah, had, had a few issues. And, yeah, at the end of that 06 um, year, we um, uh, that was when myself and Kelly got married. And, um, yeah, it was the, the, the young fellow's name was Jacob Cullen. And, 
he um he was actually yeah he, he was a um he was a waiter at, at our at our wedding and mm. um yeah just became a really good young friend and um he was a sort of bloke that he yeah he was really outgoing and um you know led by example and you know, on the training track and he, he'd be the first one to to pull people in the line and and as i said i yeah one of those things that you don't yeah i wish i had a picked up on a, on a bit more of what was going on and um yeah he, he took his own life um yeah that that end of that year and um which yeah was was absolutely devastating and um as i said it's it was the first time i'd really you know had to had to deal with it or or see you know see the result of it as well within a community because he was such a such a loved young man and and Mm. a liked young bloke and um you know from the outside looking at him you just thought he had his life together and um yeah you know he, he was a carpenter by trade and um yeah, he'd actually just bought a house straight across the road from where i live mm. um you know he just yeah he just looked like he had had his his world in order and um it was one of those things where you yeah you look back and you just go you, you just yeah you just never know who who it's affecting and, and how deep it goes and mm. um yeah it was a, a genuine eye-opener um for me and you know to get around the community and, and his family especially um yeah i'd um, you know, really, really close with his father, um, and um, yeah, I feel it's you know, it's it's just it's just one of those things. It's just unbelievably devastating, and mm. um, you just wish that the you know the help could be provided to these people, you know, b- before anything happens, because it's it's um, you know that I suppose it's, it's hard to articulate, but the hurt that they're obviously going through at the time, it's, uh, you know, it only gets transferred on tenfold to the people that they leave behind. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of stuff you just you just don't ever want to see. Mm. Did, um, did, did he yeah, play just, in that, uh, that 2006 flag with you? Yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was one of, one of our best players. He, um, he had, like, a tagging role on a on a really good opposition player and um yeah did a job and yeah, as i said he's just you know he was just that that sort of young bloke he's the life of the party um he said and then but yeah you, you know you look back and you go obviously there was you know it's that i suppose a bit of a mask that's been put on and um yeah, yeah and again unless you're asking the questions and the right questions um yeah you just never know what's what's going on that would have sent a pretty big ripple effect through the community there Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it was. Um, no, it was devastating, um, and and still is because you, I don't know, like, you still find yourself thinking about him. You know, whenever mm. it comes up about it was you know, again, it was it's well, it was the last premiership that Donald won. So any time there was talk of that, you, you know, you think back to that team and the people involved, and um, you know, obviously we had a reunion a few years ago, and um, yeah, Nugget was the only one that um, you know that couldn't couldn't be there. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it just you know reverberates around the town. You know, he's um, yeah, like his, his parents are still in town, and yeah, it's it's, it's just one of those things. It's just extremely yeah. you know, tough, you know, forever. As, as I said, the, the people that they leave leave behind, it's you know, you, it's just really um, mm. yeah, just a terrible situation. It is, mate. Uh, you know, like oh, lots of stuff is coming to me while while you're speaking there. But you know, the amount of young guys that I know that have sort of, you know, taking that course of action that I just wish that, you know, we would have been able to, uh, you know, understand it back then. And um, you know, I had mates when I was younger and uh, obviously I'm from Horsham, so not far from you and, 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 and experienced stuff. But, you know, what, I, what I've, I've been able to learn ever since then has taken me on a bit of a journey to sort of try and find out a bit about, you know, guys and how we... We sort of see our place in the world and you know how we can actually understand ourselves a bit better and i'm sort of more passionate now obviously to try and give people the tools to be more self-aware and you know i, I went back to horsham in 2017 um for a couple of reasons but one of the reasons was was to try and help out with this sort of stuff and you know, i did a bit of work with dimbola footy club and a few of them that they'd lost a few guys and i'd go there and i'd speak about you know about this and about my own journey experience and once i did that that actually got people talking and then people are saying i never knew that about you and all these sorts of things so you know i just wish like geez back in that year if i or me or someone had the opportunity to be able to go and talk to your club or well, that young guy might have opened up with what was going on you know and um 
I think that's the trap we have with guys just being vulnerable. It's so difficult. You know, we can put on that mask and that and that brave face consistently and not really show what's going on underneath. But I think it's so important now to uh, to have guys understand that it's okay to talk about anything that's going on in your life, you know, good or bad. We always talk about the good stuff, but we need to be able to understand the other other side of it as well. And, you know, we don't know how to manage our nervous system as well. And um, beer will only do so much of that, you know. We, we, we can do all these things that can help us um, find harmony again. And, um, yeah, you know, it's still a journey. Um, my, my goal and vision is to really, you know, I wouldn't say eliminate this, but certainly get, get back to um, uh, as close as we can to making sure that people aren't, you know, taking that course of action like that young fella did. And um, you know, to be able to help them feel supported, safe and, um, and you know, and, and cared for, I think, is, um, you know, so important. And you, you see young guys that have had problems in their families, you know, all those sorts of things. They've had trauma, um, you know, they haven't been able to, to understand or manage that. A lot of guys may have been a uh, victim of abuses at a young age, which we'd not, been, uh, not be able to be aware of. But, um, you know, just to have the ability uh, within a club environment to... To, to help people understand that it doesn't matter what you've got going on or what's gone on, you, you can you can um, speak about it. And, and, you know, you would have noticed what's happened at Richmond over the last few years and just how that whole culture's changed, Ross, and how they can actually, like, be who they are, you know. There's no... There's no... There's no uh, expectation, stereotype, any of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, for them to be able to sort of let their guard down and, and be vulnerable and be able to you know, be part of something bigger than themselves, but also to be able to be an individual in that, that club environment, I think is you know, super important, whether it be a, an AFL club or a, uh, a small sporting organisation, you know, you can help young guys to be better than what they were when they arrived and, and, and transfer out of the you know, the, the, the poor mental health by, by having, you know, things in place that can really help them. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, I think, yeah, well, that, you know, you couldn't have said it better with that, you know, clubs having players or, you know, not don't worry about players, but just people leave as a better person than when they arrived. And mm. I think, I think clubs have just become so much better at that. Um, you know, that they really have, um, you know, there's, there's just not. I know there's, there's occasional negative things and some bad things happen, but that, you know, that's any organisation uh, from any time to time that there's going to have some, some bad eggs or you know just a, a bad situation happen. But you know, generally speaking, it's you know AFL clubs and and that now are, are pretty much majority uh, fairly positive stories and um, and seeing the way they develop their you know their, their people. Um, right across the board now like it just looks as i said to use richmond as an example and um yeah just just seeing what they you know uh what they they talk about connection um between each other and um they just seem to be more interested in each other and their lives rather than just about you know who can kick a footy well it's um it really is impressive to see and i think i think most clubs are you know are really good at that now and and you know will only continue to get better um, but as you were saying, you know, allowing players to just be themselves and and be their character, and you know whether it be the colour of their boots or the you know the tattoos that they've got on them or the way they wear their hair or whatever it might be, um, yeah, letting the letting the player express themselves and and be that. Like at the end of the day, um, I don't think you know having that generic you know, hard-ass line on on guys and you toe the line or that's it, you're out. Mm. I, you know. Thank goodness those days are gone. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, as you said, guys can can be themselves because you know if you're happy, you know yourself. You, you've always, or I always did, and I think everyone would be the same. You, you always played your best footy when you were when you're happiest. Mm. Um, you know, when, when your life was in balance, whether it be with your work and your family and um, whatever it might be. And there's always those peaks and troughs in amongst you know every facet of that, but. Um, generally, if you've got them fairly well balanced, um, you know you, you'll be playing the best footy. You'll also probably be the, you know, the best friend you can be. You'll be the best husband you can be. You'll, you know, you'll be the best person you can if you, you know, if you're happy and and everything's chugging along quite nicely. Yeah, um, well said. And 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 you're probably better. You know, you, you're more in tune then to hopefully pick up on when someone else is not travelling well. Um, you know, if, if you if you're down in the dumps or if you've got someone. You know, trying to mould you into something you're not. 
you're going to be, you know, I suppose, spending a hell of a lot of time concerned about are you doing it right? And, you know, am I fitting in here or anything like that? But if you're if you're allowed to be yourself and you've got it pretty well balanced, I think you'll you'll pick up on anything else that's going wrong around you a bit quicker as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. It's interesting, like you know, farming. Uh, I've seen quite a few farmers take their own lives or have you know serious mental health problems over the years. Um, you know, it's just like sport. When it's good, it's great. When it's not, it's not so great. You know, and. Um, uh, we've all sort of experienced like you know droughts and uh, all the things that can really have an impact on 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 you know your income and your life and all that too and um, you would have obviously seen some ups and downs with farmers uh, over the years and um, you know I want to try and do what I can to you know really help guys in, in regional communities to be able to be more conscious and self-aware about their mental well-being that's that's really the foundation of the podcast here and um, you know, I think you, your mental health is pretty good, but you would have experienced a few challenges um, with some of the people around you over the years, um, I, I, I've got no doubt. Oh, absolutely. And, and as I said, I, you know, I, I've been far from, you know, perfect or, you know, in terms of, you know, I've had ups and downs. I've had times when, you, you know, you're feeling a bit, bit low and a bit down. But as I said, I've, I've always been fortunate enough to, to know that it's, you know, it's not a place that I'm going to be in for long or... Um, as I said, I, you know, I, I love good example. I, I, I live actually in town in Donald, and um, I, I love the fact that I do because I sort of I drive out to work in the morning. I know that I'm going to work, and I, you know, you, you do your day's work and what you've got to get done. And I jump in the Ute, and on the way home, I've sort of got 20, 25 minutes. If you know, if it was a good day, then it's an easy trip in. If it was a bad day, then yeah, a few things might go through your head of you just analysing and whatever. But by the time I get home and walk in the door, I can you can sort of transition, you know, pretty easily just back into you know dad and husband and yeah. you know and you don't sort of try not to drag it home with you. And if you've got to talk about it with with my wife, then then you do. But um, you know, generally, as I said, it's um, there's always some way to to work through it. Mm. Um, I've always been a big believer in you sort of you know I suppose as you're saying with. The ups and downs of farming, with you know, more often than not, it's 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 weather related with us, um, and it's it's sort of thing. Well, as I was saying, oh, I'm a big believer in you control what you can, and you you don't really worry too much about the rest. And and said wet weather for us is one thing I can't control, so I'm not going to let it get me down or get too fussed by it. Um, you know, so long as you know you're doing most things as best you can or, or fairly right. Um, if if you you know if you fail at it or if it beats you. And you know that it's you know not your fault. It's you know there's there's nothing to be too too worried about with that. If you have a if you have a crack at something and it doesn't quite come off, um, I think you walk away and hopefully you've learnt something from it. It's mm. you know I don't think we like I said I, I try not to get too wound up with with much at any stage really. I guess um, you know it's you know. It is what it is. It, life's too hard, to, you know, to, to throw in some extra complications. I reckon at times it's um, you know, as long as I've got friends around me, uh, I can catch up with them. Like I said you can go and have a barbecue and a beer, and yeah, it's. Um, as I said I love the farming life. It's uh, it's fantastic. I said, well, in, in these times, the way it is at the moment, it's probably better than ever mm. in the sense that I'm fortunate enough, and I, I understand there's a lot of people that can't go out too much or do too much. At least. You know, I go out to work. I've sort of got some open space to, you know, mm. go and free the mind a bit. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that before. You know, like, yeah, a lot of people are stuck in a confined space, but you can jump on a tractor and you can still get around your property, you know, and that's uh, that that's a good thing. And, yeah, the world's still got to eat, so it's good to see you can still produce and uh, and get, you know, uh, food to the table uh, for, 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 for people as well, mate. So... Mate, uh, really, really grateful for the chat. I think we've uh, we've covered lots of bases. Um, you know, I, I certainly hope that uh, that people uh, possibly reach out to you that may not have connected for a while. Um, what would be the best place to, uh, way to do that, Ross? Just uh, send you an email. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm always open. Um, yeah, no problem at all. As I said, we've got the you know the farm up here. If you know, again, it'd be always something that you know if anyone wanted to come for a drive or as i said you know you're fortunate enough up up here that it's you got wide open spaces and um and a great lifestyle and good people you know communities open you with welcome arms and um with welcome you with open arms sorry <laughs> um 
and yeah, as I said, it's it's just a good place to be around. But as I said, I've got no problem with people getting in touch with me um, any way they they can. And as I said, I'm you know, always open for a chat. And um, yeah, so I've got no problem with you. Yeah, get, you know, giving my email or, or phone number out yeah, to, to yeah. whoever. Touch, touch, whoever touch likes. base with me, and I'll put you in touch with Ross. And Donald's a cracking little place, mate. Um, my mum, um, you know, ended her life pretty much up there in the nursing home, and. Uh, then yep. uh, ended up in Dimboola after that, but I spent a bit of time up in Donald and, and that previously. And yeah, it's such a great little community and um, good little pubs there. And uh, you know, everyone's just just awesome. So you know, that's that's humanity in its essence. You know, getting back to those places. So you know, you're really lucky to be in such a great area. You know, between Minyip Donald and um, and you know that that particular women rally. Um, uh, region is a place that's close to my heart. Well, I'm, I might may not be there uh, now. I think of it every day, and you know, part of me is there, and I, I wish I was there in many ways too. But um, mate, uh, say hello to your wife Kelly and and your kids, and um, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, look forward to keeping in touch and talking more about stuff in the future. Uh, absolutely, no. Yeah, th- thanks very much for having me on, and um, yeah, as I said, just uh, stay healthy, mate. <laughs> Guys, thanks very much for listening in. What a great young man or, you know, middle-aged man now Ross is. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed that. We could have went a lot deeper in, in many ways about various things, but certainly, uh, yeah, great, great fellow. And uh, I encourage you, uh, if you want to reach out to Ross, uh, just have a yak, uh, just just contact me and I'll, uh, I'll put you in touch. My email is support.backmind.com.au, website outbackmind.com.au. Um, yeah, share the podcast with others. And um, yeah, the more guys like Ross we can get around, uh, you know, talking about uh, their lives, um, you know, uh, certainly uh, helps people um, connect. And uh, it's a great way to, to hear other stories um, as well. So, you know, if you have someone in your community that you think, think would be a great person to come on over yak, be really happy to have a chat to them. So... Appreciate you listening in. Uh, some awesome guests coming up soon, so please keep uh, keep listening, sharing the podcast. Cheers.